Ladies and gentlemen, if you know me, you know that I love martial arts. It's one of my top passions in life. And my buddy TJ has a fantastic clothing company called Detroit Boxing Company. All their gear, all their t-shirts, their hoodies, their hats, everything is super, super comfy. And flip side of the coin, I also feel like I could throw a jab cross hook way better when I wear one of those shirts. I don't know what's going on and the magic that they put in that shirt. Small disclaimer that the shirts do not give you any additive power when you are wearing the shirt. Please be informed that this is just a simple t-shirt made of cotton and other materials. There is no magic effects. And I swear that that does something to my combinations. TJ is a fantastic human being and he's putting out a lot of great product. If you want to scoop yourself up a shirt, a hoodie, make sure you check them out. Detroit Boxing Company com use the code word Corycast at the checkout to save yourself some additional coin. That's right, DetroitBoxingCompany.com, code word Corycast, all one word to save yourself a little moolah. Greetings, friends. This episode of the podcast is slightly different. We decided to record it live and stream it on Twitch. Just a few weeks ago, I had my friend Zach on, and it was really cool. I felt like it was really fitting for Zach because he uh, streams a lot, and he's the creator of the Weekly Dice Roll, which is a uh, live-streamed Dungeons & Dragons game over Twitch. And Zach is a fantastic human being because he is a non-for-profit streamer. A lot of times when he's putting on these events, all these things are going to charity. Uh, The money he raises usually goes up to Galsano Children's Hospital or even the Extra Life campaign he's participated in many a times. So I felt like, why not go live? And uh, we had a great engagement. We had a lot of people asking us questions live, which was a ton of fun, and uh, really just came down to uh, a bunch of nerds talking about Dungeons & Dragons, which, I mean, how could you not love that, right? Speaking of Dungeons & Dragons, don't forget, May 21st, Dennis, Mike, and I are doing our Dungeons & Donations charity stream. Last three events have been fantastic. In this event, uh, we're hoping to have the same kind of response. Uh, We're looking to shoot and get at least $3,000 for Vera House. And uh, who knows, by the time that this is out, we might even be close. Uh, May 21st, 7 p.m. on my Twitch. Twitch.tv slash frothy. Lawson, we're going to be playing a one-shot adventure that I created myself called the Iron Horse Auction, and uh, I'm excited to share it with you guys. So, with that being said, this episode just kind of all seemed fitting to tie all the things together. Learned a lot of stuff uh, from Zach during our conversation, and uh, uh, I hope you really appreciate how fantastic Zach is. I think we're good now. And now I'm showing live. Okay. Perfect. Finally, we got it to work. Take two (laughs) of the episode with Zach Doran. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure uh, we are recording this now. So in the future, this will be an episode uh, that will be out that you'll be listening to uh, in the future from when we record this episode. Uh, Just so you know, Zach, uh, I do them every other week. Mm-hmm. This episode will be out May 6th. 
Uh, so we're shooting it just a uh, few weeks ahead of time. Zach Jordan is the man for uh, the weekly dice roll. Uh, does a lot of streaming online, various charities that he uh, raises money to. Uh, very happy to have you do a podcast. Thanks for doing this, dude. Seriously. No, thank you for having me. Um, what I, I feel like a good question to start off because I think it would steamroll into a lot of things. What made you get into uh, Dungeons and Dragons? Um, well, it started w- way back in middle school. Uh, kind of being that odd kid out growing up. It, I kind of needed an escape, something that you know I could have control over, something I could you know lose myself in and make me feel like I was somebody else. And that's when I discovered Dungeons and Dragons through some of my friends and then learning about it more and more through ninth, 10th grade. Uh, that's when I really started to play and then finally really heavily diving into it into high school and then just taking off from there into what I am up to uh, currently. What edition did you start? Because you said middle school. Middle school was... Oh, a long time ago. A long time ago. That was early or late second edition, early third edition, Ooh, I think. Wow. Yeah. And then I, I first started playing in 3.5. Oh, 3.5. Yes. Wow. So I was dabbling with 3.5 and Pathfinder, which are basically almost exactly the same thing. And what do you prefer? Um, Dungeons and Dragons, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Why? What's What's the main difference between uh, uh, Pathfinder and D and D? Because I've never played Pathfinder. Pathfinder, the rule sets are slightly different uh, than D and D. They kind of took the rule sets from three point five and kind of toned them down a bit. Um, I do not believe Path. I I don't think Pathfinder was released by Dungeons and Dragons, so it was somebody else's creation that they put together and they just changed things so they could call it a different name. Ah, gotcha. Avoid the old Wizards of the Coast lawsuit. Yep. Hey, play a game that I made with different rules, so (laughs) you can't sue me. (laughs) Same game, but with my rules. With my rules, exactly. And um, what what was it about Dungeons & Dragons that really enticed you to to keep playing for, I mean, so many years since middle school. That's a long time. Uh, It's... A lot of it was the stories, you know, stories I would read about or hear about from um, other people that have played. They really just drew me in, you know, these massive worlds filled with orcs and dragons and all these other just mythical beings. It's just something that was really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And then through high school... And even into college, I actually, that's how I started writing my own, because I wanted to create these fantasies for other people to enjoy, bring people in and, you know, get them to see a different perspective of a new world. And you started writing your own, like, one-shots, or was this a full-blown campaign you were writing? It started off as one-shots, and then after taking a college course in writing, it's it progressed a little bit more into full blown campaigns. Hmm. 
Okay. And then, and now that's what you're doing right now for the weekly dice roll. This is a homebrew campaign, right? Mostly. Mostly. Um, I can't remember the name of the person off the top of my head. Uh, I actually know a Sandy Peterson's released a, a uh, fifth edition style book that is. Um, trying to, I'm losing my train of thought now. Uh, based upon H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's work, so Cthulhu, ah. Narlethotep, all all that, and I'm just using that as a baseline for uh, what I'm writing. But everything I'm writing, everything else is all homebrewed. Okay. And what? So, like, when you go to put something together like that like when you're putting together a whole new world where do you, a whole new world sorry it's like a habit right uh what um where do you start with something like that normally what i used to do is i would start with the end game like all right what's what's the big bad that they're gonna fight and i would work my way backwards ah and I found that to be extremely stressful on myself because I was thinking, okay, they go from here to here. What happens? All the minuscule things in between. And it got so overwhelming and I I burned myself out from doing that. Mm. So now what I do is and I still start at the end. I still pick what they're going to be fighting long term. And then I just make plot points i kind of i kind of do it video game style where you can't advance to a next thing until you've done this gotcha that's kind of a smart move and in doing so the players themselves actually write the story Mm -hmm. so it's less work i have to do and it gives the player characters more freedom to do what they want the downside to that is you have to be able to think on the fly if they do something completely like out to left field. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause there are things when you play a game, you do not get like, you don't anticipate the things that that group is going to throw at you, no matter how like constructed and built that thing is. You could plan for every possible scenario you could think of, and they will still find one you didn't think of. Right. Right. Yeah. Here you go. You got, uh, He's saying, "No, uh, we would never do that." Oh, they <laughs> don't don't let Phantom uh, Gaming or K Links deceive you. They <laughs> did that practically first session. Yeah, well, that's that's the beauty of Dungeons and Dragons. Like we are, um, so uh, Dennis, Mike, and I, we finally we got a date set for the Dungeons and Donations charity stream. I'm doing the one. I'm going to DM the one shot, and I am putting together. Like I want to write my own one shot which adds a lot more pressure, but that tip of like starting with the big bad evil guy and then like building off that seems to be like prime choice. When you write, uh, have you done like a one shot before or have you just gone whole hog into campaigns? I, I originally started whole hog, but then I, I dialed myself back and made a one shots. I actually did another one shot that was also Cthulhu based. Okay. And I just took bits of stories, actual H.P. Lovecraft stories, 
applied them to it. And I was just like, all right, they can't advance until they've done this. They can't advance until they've done this. This is what happens after that. Right. Okay. And the whole Cthulhu is very, like, uh, dark, right? It's very, like, uh, people have driven insane, basically, right? Correct. Yeah, H.P. Lovecraft was a huge believer of the mental... uh, insanity bits of his writings and everything that he has written uh is heavily detailed with how the the character that you're reading about is slowly driven insane and then by the end of the story you're like oh my god did any of that actually even happen or did they just make it all up Right. And like, how, how does that differ from other adventures that you've written that are maybe like whimsical Faye wild silliness to like something that seems kind of dark? How do you like uh, set the tone and atmosphere? It's, it's all in how you deliver the, the atmosphere of it. So if you're walking into a carnival, we'll say, we'll use an example there's two different ways people can see carnivals. You could walk in and be like, so as you pass through these gates, you notice there are bright, colorful tents and balloons everywhere. You're hearing cheerful music. Kids are laughing and playing. Rides are going around. Everybody's having a great time. But then the flip side of that is you guys enter this small carnival-like area. And as you enter it's seemingly got a layer of fog over everything. Not a sound is to be heard. The tents are all falling apart. The rides seem to be disintegrating. But every now and then you just hear a random knock from off in the distance. So same setting, but it's delivered two different ways vastly different ways like very uh is there uh there's almost like a a rhythm in your tone when you're yes. when you're presenting it's a total different rhythm correct yeah that's and i like like when uh i dm i honestly i prefer to stand like when we did it live at the at three lives like i loved standing because i felt like i was like really presenting better to you guys as mm-hmm. opposed to like sitting in my computer chair i don't feel like i give as much oomph behind it i wish i actually wish my desk was like a, a, a standing desk. desk yeah exactly yeah exactly do you when you uh dm in person has it been a while or do you always just do games only uh we've uh due to the pandemic we've had to you know keep everything online and that's worked out best even in our first season of the podcast it worked out well for everybody because kind of distance wise we we're all kind of spread apart Season two, everyone's a little bit closer to each other, but again, because of the pandemic, we've had to stay uh, virtual. There has been talk of us, you know, possibly playing in person. So that's might be in the works, but we got to figure out uh, details for that. So I feel like a podcast 
is like it kind of would thrive just on um quality wise doing it like in this kind of forum like because everybody has their own mic it's very controlled as opposed to in person you gotta have a separate mic for every single person other than it's gonna you put one mic in center of the table but it's gonna sound very echoey right uh that all depends on the quality of the mic oh okay this mic i'm using has the capability of recording from the front and from the back and it'll ignore everything on the sides Mm, right right so you position it just right you can catch Mm -hmm. everybody in person yeah that's cool and it do you feel like uh because you have such like a did you start with streaming first and then stream dungeons and dragons is that kind of how it went like games first then D &D? no we actually started with the D &D, and we were only ever recording and or streaming on Sundays every other Sunday. And I was like, I, I feel like we need content in between something, you know, just to draw people in. And then that's when, uh, Phantom gaming and myself, we would start swapping days on, you know, what we would be streaming. Um, and then that's eventually cool. I just took over the whole channel and uh, he started his own. God, that's cool. That's I didn't. I thought it was the other way around. I was gonna say, uh, do you feel like knowing all that technology going in helped you? But I guess that doesn't that doesn't really apply. What like how did you learn how to do all this stuff? Because it's very uh, it's very technical learning how like how to stream and all the elements that go into it. Oh God, yeah. Uh, it was it was a lot of trial and error, and then I would watch other uh, streamers. I'd connect with them. We'd talk. I, you know, explain my situations, my problems, and then they'd give me tips on how to help improve. It's it's been about a two year process of getting things to this level, and there's still things I can improve on. Like you can, you never uh, stop improving. Right. There's always always some cool stuff that you can do. Um, I've seen the live stream, but I'm going to be very honest with you, Zach. I hope you're not upset. I haven't listened to the podcast version of it yet. The Uh, podcast version, do you put music and sound effects and stuff into it? Yes. Ah, see, I got to see. I would enjoy. I think I would fully get entranced more in the podcast. And that's that's partly why I wanted to play in person, um, because I can then play these audio tracks while streaming and still have everybody hear them Mm. with discord it's a little harder but i was actually watching somebody yesterday and they were able to have the music play to all the party in discord and still to the stream and i'm like all right it's possible now i gotta figure it out how right right well and how do you figure that stuff out is it just collaborating with other streamers or is it mostly like Oh, help me Google. Google oh, dude, a me lot of help me Google. Yeah, same. So that's how I learned how to stream with uh, the donations, the dungeon donations thing. It was just me going, uh, uh, how do I do this thing? I don't know how to put the chat in while we play. That would be a cool thing to do. How do we do X, Y, Z? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'll just Google the wonderful age of technology. You know what I mean? When um, you do the... Uh, the live stream do you kind of have like a a goal or objective in mind like i want them to get to at least this boss or i at least want them to get to this building or do you just kind of like 
find when it feels right to end the episode? Uh, I kind of, I kind of base it on how they're doing, because if I set a point, and then I try to be like, all right, you guys gotta kind of this way, then I, then I feel like I'm taking the control away from them. Yeah. Uh, it did get to a point with the podcast though. When, like I said, first episode, they kind of sent me for a wild ride. Um, I literally like gave them a destination. Right <laughs> I gave them a destination. Like, all right, you guys just need to go here. You know, you guys have been summoned for something, and you know, there's work. And then they literally just went hard left field into the <laughs> middle of the continent, and I'm just like, all right, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> I everything you hear. I was making up on the spot. I love that. So it's, they, they definitely can take you for a ride in no time at all, but yeah. And that's the thing. When you DM, you do not know how it's going to shake down, right? Correct. I use like, this. I, uh, I tell this example a lot. And uh, when we did the wild sheep chase, mm-hmm. the, the way that it's written is when they're in the tavern, the sheep bust through, Shemshine busts through, or not Shemshine, uh, Noak or Ahmed, whatever the hell his name is. The wizard in sheep form busts through, and then shortly after, Gus comes through uh, and busts through the tavern, the orc bodyguard, right? And they're supposed to, Gus supposed to be pissed that they're talking to the sheep, and he's supposed to fight him. Mike and Dennis completely avoided the situation and just like persuaded him to just go back home. <laughs> so I was like, Oh crap. Oh, uh, what do I do? Oh, uh, what do I do? Now what? Now what? <laughs> so I, my question to you would be, how do you get that part of your mind better? How do you practice improv better? Um, honestly, in this, this is going to sound really strange, but I use my anxiety to help me create these scenarios that are never going to happen. But I can quickly think of something that's going to you know, possibly happen. And then, oh, OK, that's OK. I guess I can just think of something on the fly that might happen or might not happen. Yeah, it's not weird, dude. You're just uh, you're getting um, it's like a basketball player getting ready for free throws. Right? Yeah. You're just kind of stepping up the line. You're just getting ready for stuff. That's all. Yeah. Uh, it's Powerful. Everything, nothing every- like a fairy tale says improv is rarely practiced. So that's what, what it is. Improv, right? Yep. Uh, coming from yeah. a theater person. Exactly. It's yeah. uh, a really cool, fun thing that I was not uh, uh, totally like comfortable with, but it's just something that takes more practice. Yep. There you go, Mike, with a powerful uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan. Shout out to Brennan Lee Mulligan. I have a big old fat crush on him. I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> Zach. I got a big crush on him. <laughs> if you want to get better at improv, do more improv. Brennan Lee Mulligan, right? Have you thought of ever taking an improv class? I have. And then I've also thought about taking voice acting lessons. I've actually Whoa. got a, a master class audio thing that I listen to every now and then if I need a refresher and it's actually helped me out a little bit. Like that's how I was able to come up with my character for uh, the campaign. We did at three lives. Yeah. That's like, it had, it was cool. Cause like whenever, uh, 
I play like there's no pre- like you don't have to have like a, a voice and like this like you just do your normal thing like this is it's a space for everybody to feel comfortable and enjoy a game right that's what we're all doing mm-hmm. you had like a voice lined up you had like this backstory lined up it was really cool what's the process like when you uh, are like putting together a character well I I don't even base it off of the world like if there's specific things the DM you know wants to know. Or uh, has lined up, and you know these are the things you have to have for your character. I'll apply them. Otherwise, I think of a class I want to play, and then I think of a good race that would go with that. And then I'm like, all right, what kind of personality do I want to have? Do I want to be fun? Do I want to be outgoing? Do I want to kind of be sitting in the shadows a little bit? Do I want to be somewhere in the middle? Do I just want to play a dumb barbarian? And then off of that, I'm like, all right what kind of voice would fit with this kind of character. And that's how I came up with uh, my character from season one, uh, Zeke. He was a monk raised in a monastery his entire life, but he did not study the traditional ways of a monk. He was really heavy into books and everything so i gave him a nerdy personality and that's how i was able to come up with this voice ah so it's just a matter of just practicing right yeah and just trying to figure out this is there a certain character that you made that you have like a close attachment to or is like one of your favorites oh it was definitely zeke right up until the point he died Oh, Zeke died, dude. Rest in peace, Zeke. Oh, spoilers. Yeah. Sorry. If you don't listen to season one, rest in peace, Zeke. Rest <laughs> in peace. It's going to happen in a game. Is a, what, like, what was it that uh, made Zeke stand out so much or feel like so close to home? Um, He didn't really feel close to home. It was, like I said, it was kind of like a different personality for me because I can't read for shit. Like, I. <laughs> Books, what are books? Like, <laughs> yep. And, but what made it feel fun, and this is going to sound completely weird, was the fact that everybody hated him. Ah, <laughs> uh, because he was just so annoying. Yeah. It, sometimes you can make a character that way. Was it, was he intentionally supposed to be that way? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So it fit. So yeah. it's like a perfect, it's like a perfect fit. He was he was that know-it-all that everyone's just like, oh my god, will you stop talking? Mm. Right, right. It's it's funny how um you can make a character for me. It's like when I started, uh, I would say like my first serious character when Mike and I played our campaign. Um, Ragnar is a dwarf paladin. I feel like I had an idea of what he was like in my head, and then as the game progressed, it like that changed. It was very like not so so rooted not so concrete i guess Mm -hmm. did zeke's personality change through the campaign or did you keep him as the know-it-all oh no he he stayed the know-it-all um and that's that's kind of the hard part is if you want to change how your character acts it's almost like changing the care the whole entire character build yeah because the, the way I had built him was to be super smart and knowing. And that's actually saved, that's actually saved the characters uh, plenty of times because of his high intelligence. Uh. So if I was to change him from that, it's like 
well, I'd have to change his, you know, whole outlook on everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, when I made uh Ragnar, you're supposed to be the, you know, the holy good always does the right thing paladin. And, um, the, uh, very first, uh, lost mine of Fandelver was the first one that we played. And we were probably like six weeks in, maybe seven weeks in long story short, spider guy admitted to capturing my, uh, my mom and selling her off as a, as a slave. And he promised he would tell me the location. If I, if Ragnar released him and, and didn't kill him and he, the, the spider guy, I forget his name. Uh, told Ragnar exactly where his mom was and Ragnar decided to kill him. And in that moment, I had a really hard time deciding if he was going to do that. But I was like, no, nah, no, that dude did some terrible stuff to, to Ragnar's mom. Like that's, I think this is a right way to end it. And sometimes it's like almost the character choices you think are so obvious are not that I like you would think the paladin would, would be right and be like, okay, see you later. All right. Adios. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. It's exactly what uh, K-Link just said. It's hard to be somebody else outside of yourself. It's it's hard to be someone outside of yourself and your own morals if they sway differently. It was really hard to do that, especially like seriously, K-Links. I made Ragnar to like have my personality flair. So it was really hard to be like, nah, dude, if this dude did some messed up stuff to my mom, I'm going to off him. He's, it's gonna happen. What's his Nesner Mike? Wow, power! How did you remember that, Mike? Jesus, <laughs> Nesner knows the character name. Dear Lord, um, do you Zach prefer DMing or do you prefer uh, playing? I honestly like a mix of both. Uh, Playing is really fun, but then there's times where I'm like, I've got a story and I'm like, I need to share this. And then that's mm-hmm. when I, I'll be like, all right, you know, if you want to, if our one DM wants to take a break, I'm like, oh, I got something if you want to swap out for a while. Ah, uh, so you guys like uh, trade back and forth. The first uh, season uh, was Phantom, right? Yes. Yeah. And then second season was you. Season three, have you guys talked about who's going to take over for season three or are you guys not even close to that? We have we haven't talked about season three yet. Um, we had to obviously put a pause on the podcast. Uh, some of the cast members, you know, had life events going on, so we had to put a halt on it. There, we have been talking about starting it back up soon. Um, oh, nice! So uh, there's going to be some changes coming, and I'm really excited because I the ideas have still been flowing this entire time that we've been on a hiatus. I just have you been, been able playing to put like out. offline with other people or with the same group of people, maybe just not in a public space? No, I haven't been playing uh, any D and D, and my itch is getting really bad. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so I've just been uh, streaming normal games, and you know, constantly just thinking of things that I could do for the podcast mm. and how we could uh, improve upon it. Yeah, like um you guys ever do like special event one shots? Um we haven't. It's something I've thought about especially, you know, for charity and whatnot. Uh there was Yeah, you guys like totally do a lot of stuff for charity. Like isn't that the whole platform of the weekly dice roll is a non-profit stream, right? Yes. 
Okay. We, I, I, I stream for the Extra Life uh, Foundation, which is part of the Child Network Miracles Association. And so anything that any of the money that I raise while I'm streaming or not streaming goes directly towards the Gallus Island Children's Hospital. I don't see wow. a dime of it at all. So it, I'm just the middleman. I just collect it and then it sends it on its way immediately. So what was it that uh, resonated with Extra Life? Um, it was actually a, a traumatic experience with my son. Mm. Uh, he fell and he actually split his head open Whoa. when he was one. Oh, yeah. Um, and we had to rush him to the hospital. This is six o'clock in the morning. I'm barely awake. Jeez. And so we had to rush him to the hospital. And again, this is during the pandemic. So only one parent could go in. Oh, the worst. So, yeah, my wife oh. uh, couldn't handle it. So I ended up going in and sitting with him. Um, wow. He ended it's up great, needing. It's a great organization. Yeah. He ended up needing five staples. Whew. Yeah, and while we're sitting there, I got to thinking about, you know, the pandemic and how there's all these kids around us that, you know, can't see their parents. And I'm just like, I, I got to do something. And then yeah. I remember Extra Life passing through my Facebook feed a couple of times. And I was like, all right, let's check this out. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. Yep. Wow. And each That's... year I try and top our donation goals. And so far we're doing good. And you also are doing like when you do the uh, the excuse me the streams you like uh, have these like really cool things like I had donated enough so you would have to drink pickle juice as one of them right like jalapeno how do you come juice up with those like that seems like uh, really creative Zach like <laughs> <laughs> well I again it's looking at what other people have done and kind of putting my own little creative twist on it mm. so you know. And I, I'm, I hate to say this, but everybody's favorite thing is to watch other people suffer. Yeah, it's true. And yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was just like, all right, I don't like spicy things very much. Um, so jalapenos that have ah, been soaking in their own juices. <laughs> jalapeno juice. That's what it was. Yes. That yeah, was, that's what it was. I, that, that was hey, listen, disgusting. dude, you'll you'll do anything for charity. And that's 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 right. That's one of the reasons why I like you, dude. That's exactly like sitting there drinking jalapeno <laughs> juice all for 40 bucks, dude. And went to a good cause. And then I got to watch you uh, painfully drink. Uh, I think I also requested you stare into the camera while you. Yes. Yep. Too. Yep. Peppy. Uh, Peppy made me do a, a shot. Yeah, Peppy, yeah. A completely made up name. I don't know why I did that. That's fucking hilarious. Uh, if anybody that's watching right now, while we are, uh, talking if you guys have questions for zach or myself throw them in the chat uh and we will uh make it like an open forum it's one of the first times i've done a live Corey cast so i figured uh why don't we open the floor to other people so the other people that are watching right now send those questions in uh in the meantime zach what is the craziest thing you you did to obtain charity money well, the, are you allowed so, to talk about it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, honestly, I thought uh, this is for this year's uh, charity. Uh, I thought my fifty dollar redemption for TikTok dances would be the craziest thing I've done. 
But then I remembered back to my list of 20 things uh, for a D20 roll. Ah, nice. And so far, the craziest one off of the list that I've had to do was wear some of my wife's clothing for my stream. Nice. Nice. They fit okay? Yeah. Yeah, actually. Nice, dude. <laughs> I have figured out that I am a uh, like a 36 bra size, I think. <laughs> 36 d or something oh yeah she said uh like like wear his wife's clothes yep that's hilarious she picked out a very nice sundress for me you know i picked out the lacy bra i i committed committed that is so funny and what what was the goal to obtain uh drag star um that that's a ten dollar donation which that was ten dollars zach yes that should have been like 30 well no see it cut it get there's a chance to get that because it's on a list of 20 things so i roll a d20 and whatever number pops up on the dice i i correspond that to the list okay was that like a one (laughs) no what was the one a one is i eat a slice of a ghost pepper uh what was 20 though was 20 like eating m&m or something no 20 is the one to really upset all the ocd people it's 19 push-ups ew do 20 <laughs> it's 20 see it's 20 <laughs> <laughs> yeah now everybody right now is like what the hell why did you not just i'm just like are you serious right now <laughs> uh what uh what are the next what's the next like charity event that you have going on for uh uh, for the weekly dice roll. Uh, I'm actually doing a eight hour charity stream this coming Thursday. It was supposed to be last Thursday during uh, Extra Life's um, big event that they were doing. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but they were doing a big event out in California. And I was going to stream uh, during that period of time because I didn't actually want to participate mm. in the event because their times were weird and I couldn't make it work. Ah. Uh. Um, but due to, um, some medical issues at home, I had to postpone it. And so I'm going to attempt to do it again this Thursday. Nice. What's, uh, the, f- the format. Oh, K-Links is saying last year we had a leg waxing to be Oh done. yeah. We still got to do that. Yeah. You, we reached, you gotta get your leg waxed. We reached, when we reached our thousand dollar goal, I said that myself and Fantium Gaming would get our legs waxed. Like the whole leg, not just like a strip. No, 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 no. The all like from the knee down. Okay. Are are your leg? All right. This is gonna get a little personal. You ready for this? Look at this. Look how hairy my legs are, Zach. I can't yeah, no, do I, that with my leg, dude. How I am. I am not that. I am not that burly. I, I I got very blonde hair, and there's not a lot there. And kudos to you for getting your leg that high. I fucking can't do that. I'll do that. I wore my stretchy jeans today too. I'm only I got my werewolf slippers on, but my legs, dude, are so hairy. It's like a werewolf that I swear to God, if you waxed, you would have to do it like probably three times. <laughs> the first pull would <laughs> wouldn't get everything. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Uh, yeah, yeah, the podcast. Yeah, my. <laughs> Mike brings up a good point. Mike <laughs> says the podcast listeners are missing out that this episode. If you're listening at a later date, uh, you might want to watch this on YouTube because I did just show off my legs. You're welcome, Internet. Ten out of ten. Would recommend. Thank you. Thank you. 
<laughs> so, so the eight hour stream, yes. what's the format? How do you figure out what you're going to play? Um, what's the structure? That honestly was the hardest part for me. Cause I was like, all right, I want to do a little bit of fun, a little bit of maybe uh, some horror games, some fun games, you know, just a casual game, stuff like that. Um, and then I was talking to one of my buddies and he got me wanting to do a speed run of a game. And Ooh. so I was practicing doing speed running a little bit. And which which game? Bioshock. Oh, first one, second one, third one? First one. Oh, okay. So you're gonna speed run it. What's yeah. like give me a sense of time frame? What's the like the, the record right now? The current record is one hour twenty three minutes and I think fifteen seconds. What? How do you beat that game in an hour? What the? There's there's shortcuts that you can do to fast track mm. yourself. Okay. Not And it's not necessarily glitching. It's just knowing, all right, if I die here, I'm going to respawn back over here. Ah, uh, right. Kind of deals. Okay. Gotcha. Is uh, Have you done a speed run before? No. No, never. Never. This will be my first um, speed run first ever speed run mm-hmm. interesting interesting i have talked to one other person uh shout out to uh pappy tv my friend uh chris sages zajas i can never say his last name i just butcher it um he does speed runs for mario 64 and i had no idea that was even a world with speed running it was like mm-hmm. literally no no grasp of it until i had talked to him there's like leaderboards online for it yep that's pretty wild and it's for like literally every game you could think of yeah and it's it drives me wild especially when you sit and you watch some of these guys because if they do glitched ones it's incredible to see these glitches that are in the game that are like how do you even discover this (laughs) yeah right right and it's it's uh thank god for I say this so much, but thank God for people smarter than me to figure that that cool shit out. Like, yep. <laughs> like Chris telling me that you could beat Super Mario 64 in two hours. And I was like, as a kid, I spent 40 hours on it on a weekend trying to beat Mario 64 before I had to go back to school. And you're telling me I could have done it in two? Yeah. Ridiculous. Oh, per- hey, listen, we got two uh, oh. questions. K-Links. Frothy Lawson, how do you get such a large pull for an audience for your charity streams? Uh, I would say it's, I think the secret in the sauce is that we, we do it twice a year. And, um, I don't know. I th- I really think that might be the, the secret is we only do it twice a year. Um, Dennis, Mike and I are also very fortunate that like a majority of the people that do donations are from Taikai as well. So I think a lot of the people from Taikai also just watch just to support us. So we are just dumb lucky with that stuff. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like Mike, you're out there. You should, uh, chime in. Cause maybe you have a different opinion, uh, than I do, but I really think the the secret is, uh, we just do it like twice a year and we, we try not to get people burned out from, from it. Uh, but we did take some of your, your tips and advice last year, Zach, and try to think outside the box with our charity to, to try to pump up numbers, which, uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really cool. Uh, Mike's got here. Mike's got one for both of us. I let you answer 
first, Zach, you ready? What is it that draws you to tabletop RPGs? And what is it that makes you want to come back to play week to week? Um, so I guess it's going back to the beginning of like what, you know, initially drew me in. It's the, it's the wonderful stories that you can create and just display to, uh, either your table or that's being displayed to you. If, if I'm at a table and the story has got me hooked and we're left on a cliffhanger, I'm going to, I need to know what happens. I, I need to come back every week now if this is how every session is going to be and that's even what draws you into just tabletop rpgs too not even just dungeon and dragon like it's just the uh the sense of adventure yeah yeah i for me like i think uh what draws me to them is like the fact that it's a form of escapism it's like um i'm playing basically playing pretend with with my friends and we're all enjoying a shared experience together, which I think is the same reason why I love and play video games so much. And video games for me are so much better when they're co-op and I have somebody to play with because it's a shared experience. I'm hanging out with my friends. I'm enjoying our company. We're all just, I mean, dude, there's nothing better than hearing your friends laugh at the table. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, I love that that feeling. And that's also what makes me want to come back week to week is the fact that uh, we're all escaping, agreeing to enter this world with no judgment and just uh, enjoy hanging out with each other. I think that's that's the the bottom line for me is what brings me back week to week. Um, nice. You guys are hitting us with some good ones. Yeah. Here we go. K-Links. Uh, to both. If you had zero limits, what is your ideal D&D character? That is hard. Wow. Hey, do you need a minute? Because I'm going to get so much hate for mine. <laughs> no, yeah, you go first while I sit and think. So, and this is going to sound utterly ridiculous, but my ideal character is a monk. Like the best monk I could build, and honestly, I'd I'd build with a new uh, monk tradition that I found, which was uh, a shadow monk. So kind of almost like assassins, but of the monk version. And I would that's that's honestly what I would do because monk is my favorite class despite of how much hate it gets. I, I really enjoyed playing, playing my monk. I think he's monks are a lot of fun. What, what do people uh, shit on them for? Uh, people think that they're overpowered um, early on. Yeah. Which I, I can see. I mean, right out of the gate, they can basically do two attacks every turn at first level. Mm. Yeah. So, that, that'll mess you up too. Yeah, but um, the tra- the trade off to that is they only do a d six of damage. Uh, so that was kind of Wizards of the Coast way of balancing, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if I had zero limits, my ideal D and D character. 
I have only played maybe a handful of classes. That's also maybe that's also my problem. I if I had no limits and I could create a broken character, like if if tell me correct me if I'm wrong, Kalynx, but if that means I could build a warlock with unlimited spell slots or a wizard with unlimited spell slot, I'd probably go that route. <laughs> there you go. Right? Like that would that would be my broken character. Or I feel like I would do something funny. Like uh, I've definitely have seen this online in circles, like a suit of bees. Like <laughs> how do you build it? Like a, a suit of armor filled with bees. That's like a sentient character. Like that would be kind of funny. <laughs> It'd be a just sentient armor at that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, Phantom Gaming. Uh, to both of you, if you had to choose a D&D edition, uh, what would it be? For me, I would just say 5e because I haven't had a chance to experience uh, the other ones. I've heard the other editions were a little clunky, but Zach, maybe you can shed some light on that. Um, I actually have played a... I haven't played any second edition campaigns, but I have played part of a first edition campaign. And let me tell you, first edition is rough. Mm. We were, level one, we were level one characters going up against a teen black dragon. Mm. What? And th- that was standard. That was from the book. Wow. So, yeah. That's wipe central. Yeah, it was. It was. We did not, we did not survive that. Uh, so if you had to choose an edition, what would it be? Uh, I would still, I would still have to say 5e. I feel like five, listen, please take this with a grain of salt because my knowledge base is very limited to 5e, but I feel like with 5e, they really nailed the mechanics to like, you could have a totally RP session or you could have a combat heavy session. And I don't think the older editions really allowed for stuff like that, but I, I could be wrong. Three point three point five allowed for that. It was just a little more advanced. Uh, they took three point five, cleaned it up, made it smoother, and released it as five e. Okay. After gotcha. their failed four e. Okay, gotcha. Well, that answers that question because I feel like the five. There's just something something about just a campaign with rp like uh i want to say strickhaven was written to be a total rp i could be wrong somebody might be yelling at me in the chat right now um but i love the idea of doing like an rp heavy campaign with less combat because mm-hmm. like the idea of like having to rely on being in character most of the time seems really cool it seems really really enticing yeah, and that's that's what I aim for in the podcast is I really encourage um the role playing aspect of it. But 4E um it was solely based around combat and it just the battle system was very clunky. I heard uh 4E the the like the battles took forever too, right? Yes, cuz you could do 3 actions per turn. Whoa. Man, everybody is milking their turn then, huh? Yes. Man. Um, here you go. To both, in any campaign you've played, was there a time your group did something that you just had to stare and go, really, guys? 
Zach, I think you, I feel like she like asked that question pointed at you. So you should go first and then I'll, I'll come up with mine. This actually wasn't with any of my current groups. This was back when I was kind of just starting out and writing long campaigns. I had created a forest with a, a living willow tree at the center of it that released uh, hypnotic spores. <laughs> Love they, that. Uh, once they got into combat, realized what they were fighting against. One person ran out and lit the entire forest on fire. <laughs> See, exactly. And I literally just stood there and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That is hilarious. I'm this. Uh, so I would say my moment is like, really guys, it's uh, K link says group. And it's always just been uh, uh, Mike and I and Dennis, like I've never played in a really large group. Uh, so it's always just been Mike and I, and I will say there was a time when Mike's character turned into a fucking dinosaur dude in the middle of battle that I thought was so hilarious. And I can't like remember the exact details, but I remember being like, how you turn into a dinosaur. What? Wait, what? (laughs) How did you? How did you manage? And then there was also a time during the campaign towards the ending. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mike. Mike had it correct. He turned into a dinosaur while atop a dragon. And uh, he also, for shits and giggles, uh, turned Ragnar the Paladin. I think it was Ragnar into a mongoose. And if you're familiar with uh, Taikai, people call me the mongoose because I'm a small little vicious weasel. (laughs) So he like like ironically turned me into a mongoose. So at that time I've been like that. Those are probably like the highlights, like the two funniest moments I remember having being like, uh, what? Because this game, you could literally do anything with. Yeah. You could literally do like wish, right? You could literally do anything you want with wish. Right. That's supposed to be the most powerful spell in the game. Yep. Right. That is a campaign ending spell. Is it? Yes. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Well, and that that actually kind of brings me, that reminded me of another one from season one of the podcast. Uh, Fantium had given us two decks. I, I think it was Deck of Fates and uh, something else. And randomly, they, I think I was, I think it was right after... It was right after, right before Zeke dies. One of the characters drew the card, and the card read, "The first name you think of is the person that is going to kill this person." And person who deck of many fates and deck of many things—that's what it was. And of course, person who drew it was like, "What was the BBEG's name again?" <laughs> and Fantia was just like, are you serious right now? <laughs> Literally ended the campaign wow. right in its tracks. And it's just like, well, now we got to think of something else. Wow. Wow. That's so crazy, dude. That's what I mean is like, I feel like there's so many game breaking <laughs> mechanics. Yes. In this, like it's, uh, it's pretty funny. Oh, here we go. Listen, 
this is a funny text message I just got. This is from uh, my wife, Brittany, as she's upstairs watching the stream. She says, here is my question. It won't let me type in the chat. What would be the first campaign you would recommend a newbie to play? Zach, take it away. A new uh, a first campaign for a newbie. Yep. The way I like to introduce people into uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and I've actually done this with a couple of people now, is I like to take them and kind of set the role playing aspect of it to the side and put them in a gladiator style match. This okay. way, they're getting the full experience of the combat. And I can control how it's going. Um, the last group I did, they they were going well. Everything was all right. So I threw the character that I originally set up that I was like, all right, this could go either very well or very bad. And so they were all, I think, level five characters. And I had created a level 15. Let that sink in for a moment. They were level five, and you were level 15. Yes. I'm just building the suspense. They basically annihilated me right out of the gate. Just from good dice rolls? It was good dice rolls, and they they under, after three rounds of doing it, they were able to understand their characters, how the mechanics worked, and they just, they just steamrolled me. Okay. Interesting interesting that i love to hear that is funny i would honestly i would say like uh the recommendation for campaign for a newbie to play i'm i'm like on the fence with two things i will say if it's a new group and you are just gonna do a one-off and be like eh, we're just gonna do this one one thing we'll play have a night playing D D, and then we'll we'll play scrabble the next night or something, right? I would say you could do a one-shot campaign. I will say uh, the the Wild Sheep Chase is my go-to when I recommend people uh, because it's really easy to read. It's fun. It's, uh, it's not super long. Like, you can crush it and finish it in about three hours. Um, but it allows for a lot of room for role-playing as well as, like, combat and also puts, like, a really good, uh, like oh shit, who is telling the right things to me, right? Because you have like uh, a Mednoke is the uh, apprentice who took over, uh, man, I can't remember the wizard's name. Uh, he turned the, the his, his teacher, the wizard, into a sheep. And the sheep wants you to get the wand back so he can go back to his laboratory and continue his work. And Noke, the assistant's like, no, screw that guy. <laughs> He's like, no, screw that guy. Get out of here. He's like, no, that guy was mean to me. He made me like do jobs I didn't. So you have like this moment where you're like, ooh, who do I want to side with? That's really cool. Or you could take it the other route. Like, hey, if you guys want to do this and do like a weekly thing or bi-weekly thing, um, the uh, uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver um, is probably one of the better ones. It's a little bit longer. Uh, and it stretches out for a couple more, a uh, couple more nights than just one. Um, here you go, right here. K Links, 
dropping a knowledge bomb. A good start is having people to be understanding that you're learning and having patience to walk you through it, which is super important to say because the first time you played Dungeons and Dragons, there's a lot of rules flying at your head. So having the patience and somebody to be like, Hey, technically it's not this way. We should, we should try this way. You know, like you got to have the patience as a, as a DM, hopefully your DM has a little bit of uh, Dungeons and Dragons experience, Hmm. but if not, there are still really easy modules that you could do uh, that makes picking up a book to DM pretty, I wouldn't say easy, but I would say easier to understand the rules. Yeah. What what do you think, Zach? No, I I completely agree with you. Um, I've seen DMs uh, literally exactly what you said. They've just picked up a one shot, maybe thumbed through the DMs guide and the player's handbook a little bit, and then just went with it. And by the way, that's not wrong. (laughs) I feel like at the end of the day, don't get caught up on the bajillion of rules. Just play, have fun. If you don't know the rules, either make it up on the spot or just do a quick Google search because you can probably find it pretty quickly. No, definitely. I mean, I find, you know, campaigns that are rule heavy to be uh, just stale because after a while you're like, all right, well, I want to do this. Oh, well, you can't because of the rules. I'm like, right. Well, that takes the fun out of it then. Right. Right. Like rule, like, Hey bro, I'm fighting a dragon right now, dude. (laughs) I mean, like if it's something that could completely like wild out there idea and it's seemingly impossible. Okay. Yeah. Now we're going to pump the brakes a little bit here, but right. It's like, I want my halfling gnome to grow wings. Okay. About that. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, Here we go. You guys are, the chat is hitting us with like really good questions. I like this. Uh, Spucha says, forget game mechanics in storytelling. What are some general D&D or tabletop RPG guidelines or recommendations as far as playing well with others and creating a safe space for fun and creativity? Hmm. I would say general rules like there this is there's a common trope right the the ho, they call it the hobo killing player mm-hmm. right like they get into D&D and then they just want to go oh, i'm gonna kill we can do anything we want i'm gonna kill this guy like just just remember you are all sitting together as friends or in some cases maybe you don't know the people that you're playing with uh and trying to be like is understanding as an accepting because you are like putting yourself out there with a bunch of strangers, right? Maybe like maybe strangers. Like when we played at three lives, you guys didn't know, uh, Bernie, Mike, or, uh, the other Mike Palmer, Mm -hmm. you guys were putting yourself out there and they were still like reciprocating what you guys were, were giving them and being like open and inviting to all those, all those different ideas, I think go a long way. Uh, when it comes to playing with friends or strangers and just trying to be like open and remember that you guys are doing this because you want to have fun. Nobody's trying to win at this thing, right? Yeah. I feel like maybe you got some knowledge bombs. You've been in, you've been playing D and D way longer than I have. Well, no, you're basically hitting the nail on the head there. Um, And I treat it like, you know, even my stream environment, you know, treat everybody with respect, you know, work with them, 
you know, if you think your characters go around, going to go around and just start killing everybody, understand that there are going to be repercussions either in game or from the other players. Right. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's, you know, everybody just cooperating and just trying to have a good time and just, uh, you know, being open to everybody's character and play style. Yeah. And also trying to find a module that's going to work for everybody. Right. We talk about, uh, creating a safe space for fun and creativity, right? There, uh, are maybe some subjects and topics as you play that might be triggering or kind of sensitive to, to certain people. So there are different mechanics that you can use. Like, uh, famously I've heard of the card mechanic, right? You put a card in the middle of the table. Uh, if somebody's uncomfortable with the current, uh, event or thing that's going on at the table, you just flip the card and nobody brings it up. Nobody talks about it. And we just move along. Right. Because there are some campaigns that are a little gruesome and a little dark, uh, might have some really like uncomfortable tones. But if you have that card in place, uh, that gives everybody the opportunity to just be like, eh, you know, you know, Zach, I don't like when you were talking about this. I'm going to flip this card over, you know, like it's it's a way that you cannot interrupt the DM as he's like storytelling or while the action is going on, but giving him a cue her or her a cue that uh, you might not totally be comfortable with what's uh, what's going on. Um, it's a, it's a great way, especially if you don't play with strength or if you're uh, playing with strangers um, and having the uh, session zero, I think is another, yes. another good one. You have a session zero uh, and everybody can talk about what they're comfortable with and what they're not comfortable with. Right. Is that kind of what you do with your session zero? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you brought up session zero. I, I've actually never heard of that card mechanic before. So, but I, and I find that very interesting. Uh, but no session zero, I'd like to sit down, lay out the, what the campaign is going to roughly be about. Uh, with this group, it's kind of like, all right, we all kind of know each other. We all know what everybody's comfortable with, what everybody's not comfortable with. And but no, that was that's definitely one of the things for a good session zero is laying out the environment for all your players and let everybody know these are things that could happen. These are things that will happen uh, and get everybody's input on uh, the setting, their characters, how everything is, and then make adjustments uh, as needed. And like I said, there are going to be times that, you know, somebody's going to do something and it might upset somebody else. And I think, you know, the card mechanic is a great, uh, a great way to use it or a great item strategy, Jesus Christ words, uh, to use (laughs) at a table. And I've, I've told people before, you know, if something's making you uncomfortable, you can either, you know, pause me. Or, you know, talk to me after and, you know, we can make adjustments if I need to talk to somebody about their behavior or something I did. You know, don't ever feel like you can't talk to your DM. Yeah, for sure. Right. This is I think uh, you said it perfectly, like communication just in any relationship is super important. So if you guys are all playing a game uh, and you're not comfortable, like that's not that's not a uh, you're not creating a, a safe space for creativity like mike said i thought that was a a really good way to uh 
phrase that question, Mike. I think that's that's really cool, especially in uh, a world where some DMs and some people can be kind of gatekeeper-ish. It's super important to rise above that and be something uh, different and uh, welcoming. I, I think that's what drew me to Dungeons & Dragons was the fact that it is so, like, inviting to all people of creed and races and, and everything, all backgrounds. And it's like, you want to pretend you're a dwarf from the, the land of the forgotten? Fucking cool, dude. Be a, like, that's what I'm all about. Be a dwarf paladin, dude. That's, that's cool. I love that. You know? So I think end of the day, you're playing a game. Let's just have fun. Right. And make yeah. sure everybody is comfortable doing so. Now, I guess that's my question for you. How did or how did you get drawn into Dungeons and Dragons? Because oh, we've known I, each other since high school, for sure. And I didn't so, play. In yeah. High school. Um, I played with a group of friends, like Jesus, twenty thirteen, maybe. But we played like you know, like two or three times, and then schedules fizzled out. Um. But I didn't feel like we were totally doing the like the rules. Like I felt like we were all just kind of making shit up as we were going, and it was cool. And I just I never had uh, other friends that wanted to revisit it um, until COVID hit. My friend Dennis uh, was like, "Mike, Corey, I want to start another D and D campaign." Granted, it's only going to be a party of two. Do you guys still want to play? And I'm thinking like I will do anything at this point to hang out with my friends virtually or in per- like. I couldn't do it in person because COVID. Um, but uh, we, I've been playing with Mike and Dennis ever since. And it's literally been every Sunday from the last two years now. Oh, wow. Two years now. Um, we played a couple times in person. It's always fun playing in person. Um, but we're just a smaller group. And I, I, I just love it. I just It's just another form of uh, escapism for me. It's, it's not like my life sucks and I want to run away from it. It's just cool pretending that... I'm a, a Genasi warlock <laughs> that has cool powers that I can decide what I do, <laughs> you know? Realtor by day, Genasi by night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, this was a lot of fun. Zach, thanks for doing this. This has probably been my m- most interactive uh, podcast I've ever done. So thanks for uh, being my uh, test subject. Oh, no problem. Hey, I, I like opening people to new things. So yeah. Likewise, likewise, man. Uh, do you have anything that you want to plug? I will say that this uh, in the future, we are recording on April 18th, and this podcast will be out May 6th uh, for those uh, watching the live stream right now. Um, I guess the only thing I've, I've really got to plug uh, at this point would just be, you know, all of our social medias. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram. And TikTok at the Weekly Dice Roll, uh, Twitter at Dice Weekly, um, and uh, all our links can be found on our Instagram page. That'll take you to our merch store, our uh, Extra Life campaign, and everything like that. My Twitch channel. Perfect. So, um, actually, we got more in the chat. So, real oh. quick, we'll answer these before we. Before we end, uh, here we go. K Links, how do you guys feel about the nerddom becoming more mainstream uh, these upcoming years? I' gonna be honest, I love it. <laughs> like I, like I love it. Like I just, I think uh, to me, nerddom is just 
people being more comfortable with the things that they love. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. I think uh, in high school, I remember like being embarrassed to admit that I like some of the things that I did, you know, mm-hmm. what, what do you, what about you, Zach? Like, how do you feel about that? Um, I'm, I'm saying this very jokingly. Um, but I feel like everybody is now like adapting everything that I was into so it's just like, wow, guys, thanks. You know, thanks for, you know, making fun of everything that I liked for years. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, we like this stuff, too. I'm just like, really, really? <laughs> you're like, yeah. I got thrown into a goddamn locker because I loved D&D when I was in high school. God damn it. God damn it. And now here you are like, hey, we we play all this. And I'm like, I want to shove you in a locker now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I really think. uh maybe just the age of technology and be able to connect with more people mm-hmm. than ever makes more people comfortable. But I just love, like if you are in love with um, knitting, don't be like, don't be a bear. Like that's a cool thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. You love Dungeons and Dragons. That's cool. Talk about it. You love uh, collecting pogs. Awesome. Let's talk. Oh, God, like you should pogs. talk about that. Jesus Christ. You're making me feel old over here. God damn. You like that reference? <laughs> You like yes. that reference? Yes. Um, and oh yeah, here's yeah exactly. I think uh, your wife had just said, has hit one on the head. Uh, another example, like I love anime, right? I remember in high school, I kept watching anime hush hush because I didn't want people to pick on me because I watched anime. Really? Yeah, I totally did. I totally oh kept God. it hush hush. Jesus, but I'm not. I wasn't like into it quite like I am now. Mm-hmm. Like in the sense that anime for me back in high school is like Dragon Ball Z. You know, like, but now I'm like full metal alchemist. I'm all about, uh, I just finished, uh, finished Hunter, Hunter, Hunter the other couple months ago. Uh, so definitely, definitely different. Um, K links and, uh, you also said, uh, we should stream. We should do a one shot together. I'm totally down. Hey, I'm um, down. Uh, Mike is offering to, uh, DM for us so we can, uh, I would say let us wrap with the, uh, Dungeons and Donations charity stream this coming month. And then you and I and Mike and uh K Links and Phantom, they all want to do like a one shot. I say we we combine our efforts. Maybe even Dennis wants to do one. And we'll all hey. just jam together and do a D and D stream. I'm down. I think I know I would for sure be on board and Dennis or uh Mike for sure. Dennis will be on board when we mention charity for sure. He'll be like <laughs> done, I'm doing it. And then I know Phantom and K-Links will be on board because they've got the itch as bad as I do. So, All right, so you heard it here first. That just means that now we set it and we recorded it and it's out there. Now it has to happen. Just don't lose the video. Just don't, don't lose the proof. <laughs> uh, Zach, thank you. This has been so much fun. It's been a blast talking about nerd stuff with you. Uh, and thank you for thank having you. me. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was uh, this is uh, my actual first interview, so it was you know it was a different experience for me. So uh, thank you so much for having me, and I uh, greatly appreciate it. Dude, anytime, anytime.